Alright, so uh, Psalm 119. Starting a verse in your notes here on page 5. And uh, we're on item number 3, longing for obedience. We started that last week. That's longing for obedience. And that's verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. So last week we had that handout that was specifically about panting or pant. And uh, so we looked at that and um, going on from there, letter A is God, as God opens our eyes to his word, we will find ourselves longing for the grace to be obedient to his word. And so um, that's, well, just moving on. (laughs) You guys pray for me. I have a lot of things to share and I need grace to be able to get through them all. And so I'm going to just turn and read a lot of things and, and probably not you know, wait for you guys to get there. Please turn there with me if you can. <laughs> so uh, Matthew 5, uh, verse 6, this is the Beatitudes. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so I think that as God teaches us his word and we have a desire, we should have a desire, God helping us to obey him, to to be like him. And so uh, I have this this note also that we pant we hunger after thirst because at thirst after righteousness because there is much in the way holding us back. In Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one, familiar with this passage, it says, uh, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith." who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Uh, I'm sorry, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so that verse where it says, let us lay aside every weight in the sin, which does so easily beset us. And really, that's not even I don't think specifically talking about the fact that we have enemies we have spiritual enemies in Satan. We have the world which is not going along with God and is, the flow is walking is going away from God. And so we have so much against us. And then there's our old man, which does not want to go the way that God wants us to go. And so we have so much that is not conducive to walking with God and obeying him. And so, again, the psalmist says, I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for thy commandments. And so um, and, and there's many different aspects of that. It could also be him logging that God would teach him his commandments and enable us to understand. So there's a lot there. And so moving on down to verse 128 there in the notes. And this is, of course, the last uh, verse of the previous section. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every fall, every false way. And of course, as we grow in the Lord, that should be our perspective. We come to that understanding. Everything that God is teaching is right. And every other way than what he is teaching and the way he is telling us to go is wrong. And so listen, there is a lot to that thought that everything that God is teaching us is right all the time. And again, that goes back to the thought of with my old man and the world and Satan trying to turn us away from God Listen, that's a lot to deal with. So you don't just wake up and automatically, man, you're spiritual. (laughs) It it takes a choice. It takes that seeking God's face every single day. And so um, I have this note underneath that, that every false way, this as I said, that verse 128, therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. 
And so I have this thought, every false way found in us or when the world pulls us uh, to be deceived and go down false paths. Again, as you start growing in the Lord, you recognize, man, there's a lot of wrong ways to go. And there's a lot of examples in the Bible who people who fear God weren't always perfect all the time. The Bible's filled with people who did not perfectly keep God's way all the time. From Moses to David to Abraham to the New Testament, even Peter and, and Paul, they were not always perfect. And so we're not going to be perfect. <laughs> we have all these things. So again, it goes back to this thought, Lord, I, I need your help to keep your commandments. I need your help to walk in your way and not to part. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it can be, I guess it could be discouraging when you feel like you constantly have to have God's help pushing you back on the path, pushing you, know, you stray a little bit here, God pushes you back, stray a little bit over here, God. I feel like that's my life. And yet at the same time, it's something to be thankful for, that God is constantly able to correct us and lead us in the path. I love the verse where it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. God shows you where your feet are and he shows you where the path is. And so listen, so much of the time we feel like we're struggling or whatever. But the case is, is God is always able to help us to be where we need to be. I, uh, I saw uh, uh, Brother uh, Wayne McRae's post on LinkedIn today, and he was talking about how so many Christians seem content to not, not, not be all that concerned about their walk with God. And, and, and it, is, it is a true thing. Now, I, when, again, when you say Christians, you, you have to be talking about people who are born again because there's plenty of people who are simply religious. So people who are genuinely born again, it seems as though... There's a lot of professing Christians who just aren't that concerned about how close they're walking with God. And listen, following God afar off is something to be concerned about. And um, and so anyway, as we move along, <laughs> you guys keep praying for me. You guys pr- keep praying for me while I'm teaching because <laughs> I have this habit of, of talking about everything. So anyway, you got to find the, 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 the right medium uh, of that. So anyway, as we um, no, let her be, as we grow we learn to love God and hate sin. Again, it's not an automatic thing because your, your old man wants things that are wrong, that are sinful, that are carnal. And so, but as you grow in the Lord, you learn to love the Lord and at the same time hate sin. And I have this, this note underneath that, that therefore we love the commandment that tells us to depart from sin. So I'm going to turn and read uh, Romans chapter 7. You're going everywhere. Everywhere is your way of covering the full counsel of God. <laughs> well, God's help. <laughs> Romans chapter seven, verse twenty-one, and this is this is an amazing passage. Many of us have have talked about how thankful we are that this is in the Bible. But Romans chapter seven, verse twenty-one, I find then a law. So he's well. That's this is the same area where he says, "For the good that I would, I do not; but the evil which I would not, that I do." Now, if I if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin. That dwelleth in me. In verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Look at what he says, verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And so that's that's the law of God that says, don't do this. And so it doesn't matter what the sin is. Maybe you're angry with your brother and you have this overwhelming desire to get him back. And that, of course, can there's a long range of things that that could lead to. And or maybe it could be a sinful desire for something that is not yours. Whatever the case is, when he says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. 
So you delight in the fact that God puts a boundary, a place that says, if you cross this line, it is wrong. And then if you fear God, you know that crossing the boundary is not without consequence. And that's where you learn to be trained in your heart and your mind to obey God. If you've walked with God for any length of time, you know what it's like to be corrected by God. And, you know, the the Bible is filled with examples of people who feared God being corrected by God. Again, those same examples that I mentioned, Moses, who was denied the promised land. And he even later on would say, Lord, I, I beseech thee, show me that good land. And God said, you're not going in. He, he, he did not change. He did not repent of, of his choice to deny Moses the promised land. Sin always has consequence. And so, again, it's a good thing that when God shows us a law that says, don't cross this line. And, you know, within yourself from your own experience and also from reading the word of God, that there is a consequence to disobeying God. And so Paul says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man in verse 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So the flesh serves the law of sin. In other words, it must obey the desires of the flesh. Galatians talks about how the flesh and the, and the spirit, they war with each other. And neither one is compromising. Neither one says, let's just live in peace. The war, the, the war that exists between the flesh and the spirit will always be there as long as we are here in the flesh. And that's why the Bible says to crucify the old man. Make no room, no provision for the flesh. And so Paul, Paul paints a very stark picture here about how there is a law that God says is, is for us. And then there is a law in, his, in the members, in the flesh that wants to go astray. At all, at every, at every, there's never a time in which the flesh does not want to satisfy itself, gratify itself. And so... Um, So I have this note underneath that, that uh, no one can claim to walk with God while embracing sin. So I want to turn to Amos chapter three and uh, verse three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And uh, and of course, there's that this is in, in this passage, the Lord is correcting his people. He's he's telling them, you know, you've you have gone off the path and I'm going. He tells them he's he's going to correct them. And uh, and I like to contrast that with Enoch. Yeah, read it again. Uh, Amos chapter three, verse three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No man can say they. Uh, oh, um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, no one can claim to walk with God while embracing sin. And I'll go ahead and give you the note underneath that that I haven't told you yet. The sin will testify against the lie. You can't claim to be walking God while you're embracing sin, and yet there are people that do. <laughs> they claim to be walking with God, and yet they. Make the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. And there are people who are making provision for the flesh at the same time, say they're walking with God. This is why the Bible says we are to be discerners. We're supposed to be discerning. We're supposed to be careful to make sure that we don't follow someone who's not following God. Even Paul said, follow me 
as I follow Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're following Paul and for some reason Paul goes off the path, you are not to go with him. That goes for every Bible teacher. And so we're all supposed to be students of the word of God. And it's the Bereans in Acts. It says they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And they became followers of Christ. And so that's who we're supposed to be. <laughs> so no one can claim to walk with God while embracing sin. I wanted to go here also in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Good word for the Amos verse is fellowship. Yeah, fellowship with God. You can't. And, and again, I, I think it's pretty clear. You can't have fellowship with God while you're embracing sin. Because fellowship means like minded. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I would say it's an unbroken communion as well. That, that there's nothing between you, you know, but you let a, a child of God. We will never not be a child of God once you're born again. That will, but you can certainly hurt your relationship with the Lord. You can certainly grieve the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Matthew six, verse 24 says, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And if you skip on down to verse 33, and I'd love to read all this, but we can't. <laughs> but 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So many things that we feel like we have to chase down. And yet the Bible is very clear that you put God first. You put God in that place of preeminence and he adds to you the things that you need. And not just that, but I, and, and clearly you see this in the Bible. You see servants of God in less than ideal circumstances and that yet they can have joy. And so our place is to put God in that place of preeminence and God can put directly into you contentment. And peace, the things that the world chases down with all their heart, thinks that they got to plug this in, this in, and this in, or they can't be happy. And the exact opposite is what God tells us to do, is to follow Him, to put first the kingdom of God, God's will, God's plan, and let that be what guides us, and God adds to us everything that you need. And so, again, we so much of the time have it backwards completely. The next page, 713, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way yeah. that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Right. So that talks about many false ways. Right. Yeah, yeah there's one narrow way that certainly it says that leads to life, but also in life there's one, there's one path. There's one path that is the path of being, being right with God, but also experiencing the joys of following God. And so... Um, and okay, so letter I uh, foremost. So the letter B is uh, as we grow, we learn to as we grow, we learn to love God and hate sin. So letter I underneath that foremost, we will hate our own sin and long for God to deliver us from it. To de yeah, foremost, we will hate God. Hate, I'm sorry, hate our own sin and long for God to deliver us from it. And. Um, yeah, so uh, so I have this note underneath that Psalm fifty one fourteen. This is one of David's. Uh, they call them penitent songs or psalms. Psalm fifty one verse fourteen. So David says, "Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness." And what's really beautiful about that is, as as David is saying, "Deliver me from blood guiltiness." And I, I don't I don't know exactly what blood guiltiness is, but I have a feeling that it means something along the lines of you actually are guilty. 
you actually are, have done that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. You actually have done. So I think it's this idea of cleansing you from guilt, from 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 the from the uh, the uh, the stain of sin. And uh, so he goes on to say, "O God, thou God of my salvation." And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And I think that's speaking to imputation. God imputing to us his righteousness, which we do not deserve. Not any of us on our best day, on our most faithful day, where you're serving the Lord with all of your heart. You are doing things for God. You're doing things for others. Not one single day of our lives have we ever deserved the gift of Christ's righteousness. It is imputed to us. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. God put righteousness to his account. And so the way the actual, I mean, if we got everything we deserve, the way the account balance would look at is on the side of debt, the side of sin. There's plenty there. There's no end to the list of debt. And yet in Christ and on the righteousness side, we have nothing. The Bible says in Isaiah, all of our righteousnesses and other things, the things that we look at and say, look at this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. That actually, the Bible says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And I've heard preachers kind of uh, talk about that and say, anyway, the point is, is that they're not desirable. God does not is not profited by our good works. And so the only way to get the righteousness which we need to be right before him is the imputation of his righteousness to us, which is exactly what his plan is. That we receive Christ, we receive forgiveness of sins. But it's even talked about in the Old Testament. It's talked about it with Moses, with David, with Abraham. The imputation of the righteousness of God. And so listen, it's, it's a beautiful thing that David, again, an Old Testament saint, he says... Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness, thy righteousness. It's something that really we can we can praise God for day and night that I am seen as innocent. I'm seen as righteous. I'm seen as holy because of Christ, because of Christ within that he has come in and he has made me new and he has he has made me not just not just innocent, but I have the righteousness of Christ that God looks at. And I, I love the song I mentioned, it, I think, Sunday. There's a song that says that God can look at him and forgive me. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's so moving to think about God having provided Christ as a way of cleansing me from my sin and making me clean in his eyes. And so anyway, um. So I'm moving kind of fast. Do you guys have any thoughts or questions? Okay, we're moving right along. <laughs> yeah. About filthy rags. Do you think it's because it comes from a corrupt heart? And a corruptible heart? Yeah, well, I, even the things that, I mean, well, anyway, I, I, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to bleed too much into that just because, I mean, you can do things with the right motive, but it won't be, it won't be enough to be seen as righteous before God. Right. Um, other than that, I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is you can't you can't undo the world of sin. And uh, and and so you think about the rag that says filthy rags, the rag that, uh, 
you know, it's still, if you use that rag for something good, it's still tainted with all the, the filth, the dirt, right. the grime. The, I've heard people use other terms too. But anyway, the point is, is it's not desirable. It's not something, you know, so many people think that God will outweigh or weigh in the balances, your good versus your evil. We have nothing to put on the good side. And uh, so, <laughs> anyway, there's a verse in there about the dust of the balances, but I don't have it before me. <laughs> And so deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue, my tongue, I can't talk tonight, <laughs> and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And so I have this note, or it's in your notes, loving God, we cannot take a light view of sin. So this is all back to the thought of, I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. So loving God, we cannot take a light view of any sin. And I again, I see it happening in our world. I'm sure we've all been probably guilty of, you know, kind of, dismissing our own personal sins and majoring on other people's sins. And so um, Paul's view of his own sin led him to say that he is the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1.15. And this is, again, after at the I've, I've mentioned this many times, but if you go to Paul early in his salvation, early in his service, he says he's the least of the apostles. And as you go further, he says, I'm the least of the saints. And then as he's uh, close to the time, First Timothy and then Second Timothy especially is closer to the end. So at the First Timothy, he says toward the end of his life, he is the chief of all sinners. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I don't think that's like false modesty or something. I think it's uh, I think it's the truth from the sinner's perspective. I don't think anybody else's sin should be worse to us than our own sin. And uh, so we, we will look at that verse later on in in, uh, in the next section, I think. So. Um, Paul's view of his own sin led him to say that he is the chief of sinners. And so number two there, growing it. I feel like I'm running along. I feel like I'm racing. <laughs> is everybody okay? Okay, all right, all right. So uh, growing in the, in the Lord, all sin, and I, I, I should have put all sin, will grieve us, but not to lift ourselves up. And I feel like that's a problem among, among Christians, especially if, if, if you've grown in the Lord, if you've changed much in your Christian life, you can get to the point where you start thinking, well, Man, that's a dirty, rotten sinner over there. <laughs> but, you know, there'll never be a time in which we were not saved by grace, you know, and that it, it wasn't God's mercy that spared each and every one of us. You know, it doesn't matter how long you're serving the Lord, doesn't matter how how much you've, you've done for the Lord. There will never be a time in which you were not saved by the grace of God, by Jesus shedding his blood to cleanse us from our sins. So growing in the Lord, all sin will grieve us, but not to lift ourselves up. So underneath that, number one, we should never look down on others, but recognize sin is costly and burns men, even as fire does. And so Proverbs six is there in your notes. Um, Proverbs chapter six, verse 23. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet uh, and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife Whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. And I feel like there's, it is clear that there's a lot of dismissing of sin in our world. There's a lot of minimizing what sin does, what it costs. Um, we have a, a family member who their family was just torn apart by the husband committing adultery. It tore the family apart. I mean, it, it, it definitely wrecked their lives, broke people's hearts. 
And, uh, and listen, you can't minimize the cost of sin. And, and so as, as we face sin, <laughs> we're often tempted with dismissing it's not a bad thing, it's the, you know, or whatever, you know, or saying it's no big deal, look at what they do. Listen, that's, that's a moot point what anybody else is doing. The truth is, is, is any sin is something to be not just taken seriously, but it's, it's something that, that had a huge price attached to cleansing us. From, from all sin. So we should never take any sin lightly, us, ours, or anybody else's. And at the same time, you, can't, you, you cannot afford to take a light view of any sin. And so I, I think sometimes as we deal with other people, we're tempted sometimes just to not want to hurt their feelings or not want to you know, be confrontational. Um, I, I, I don't always know what the right answer is. I'm sure I'm, not, I'm often not right about how I approach dealing with other people. But the truth is, is you cannot take a light view of sin. And so um, anyway, uh, so I have number two underneath that, that uh, faith, faith in God causes us to have respect unto him and his commandments. And with that comes the fear and dread of sin. In Job 28, 28, turn to read that real quick. One of my uh, sons in Texas said uh-huh. something to the effect of that he thinks that lying is maybe, I don't know if he said the worst sin or whatever. I, but anyway, I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, every sin every sin that you commit, that you commit has a lot involved with it. Right. So yeah, I mean, either to yourself or to others. <laughs> right, no, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's and, who I lie to the most is myself. Well, and, and you think about, you know, the Garden of Eden and the Lord selling them to never eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man, that was not lying, cheating, stealing, other than stepping out of God's will. You know, God says, don't eat of this tree. And the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It was simple disobedience. And yet it was, you know, it was stepping out of the world where God provided for them. And it was the right thing to do. And the world where they were safe and walking with God. And it cost them everything. That is a great example because it would seem very like, oh, he just, yeah. ate, just ate the apple. Yeah, that, so there. Yeah, right. So I've seen there's a cartoon. Easily dismissed. In a yeah, way, right? right, right. And yeah. so there's a, there's a cartoon that I watch where there's this professor and he says, I've always thought uh, that the gaining of knowledge was something. And so he painted it in some metaphysically, you know. <laughs> and, and, but the truth is, is that, listen, that, that cost us all. What Adam and Eve did, you know, and the, and the Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam chose to sin. Maxine? Okay, number two. Faith in God causes us to have respect unto him and his commandments. Let me pause right there. Comma. <laughs> Faith in God causes us to have respect unto him and his commandments, comma. And with that comes the fear and dread of sin. Let me read it again. You got it? I could not write that fast, by the way. (laughs) So Job 28, 28. And unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. And so again, that thought of faith causes us to have respect unto God, his commandments. And with that comes the fear and dread of sin. And it says in Job twenty eight twenty eight, and unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding, which again is contrary to a lot of what we see in the world, which says, Hey, this is a cool way to go, this is the desirable way to go. 
or for that, for that matter, in the business world where, hey, you do this under the table and that under the table. And, and, uh, and I, you guys, all, most of you know what, what softies Melissa and I are when it comes to animals. And I think about these, these farms where they keep the lights on the cows 24-7 so that they're constantly producing milk. You know, and just so many of these things that just seem completely inhumane. <laughs> you know, where it talks about David and, and even the Lord as a shepherd and, and how the, the, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, that seems like the better way. You know, to, to love and care for the animals while they, but, but again, the idea, idea of what you can get, the, the profit and the, you know, and the mass production. And, and so listen, I know we're a big country and there's a lot of needs to be met, but I, I can't imagine that it's okay to, uh, to see animals treated like that. So anyway, the, the point is, is that the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. So fearing the Lord and departing from evil go together. Walking with God and and departing from evil, they go together. And uh, so I have a number three as well. God's ref, God's laws are a refuge in the world. And so jo, uh, Psalm 32. So we have time now. You guys want to turn to Psalm 32? <laughs> you guys pray for me. I don't want to race through these. And at the same time, we, we, we also can't take too long. So, so, huh? Psalm 30. Oh, you want the number three? Uh, God's laws are a refuge in the world. So again, Psalm 131, I opened my mouth and panted for I long for thy commandments and God's laws are a refuge in the world. And so Psalm 32 and we'll just start with verse one. I was going to start with verse six, but I got all the time in the world now. <laughs> I race, 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 race. Now I have extra time. <laughs> I guess I could start the next section anyway. Uh, so. Yeah, let, let's just start in verse six, I guess. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Salah. And uh, just thinking about this thought, he says, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance when the world offers you alternatives to doing things the way God says to do them. And it seems tempting. It seems desirable. It seems like the way to, to, to prosper. Well, the Bible says that he is our hiding place. He's that place of refuge. And there's all of the, of the, um, consolations that we gain in the Lord are worth more than everything that the, that, that the world can offer us. Everything that they promise for doing things away other than what God has said, there are so many consolations that come with doing it God's way. Um, and so anyway, if you look at verse eight, now there's a this happens in more than one place here in the Bible and in, in Psalms, I believe, where the, the, the person speaking in the psalm switches. So it's verse eight. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. And so, verse 7, thou art my hiding place. Verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. You know what the wonderful thing about the Lord is he sees all the pitfalls. He sees all the traps. 
He sees every hindrance, every, you know, every ditch in the road, every mine. (laughs) He knows where they all are. And so if we could cling closely to the Lord, you know, God could guide us through this minefield of life. And there is minds in life. And, you know, and, and so there's the threat of life and then there's the threat of the enemy. The Bible talks in first Peter about how the uh, the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. I told you guys before about if if you cut off all the lights in this building and you, you could say a lion. But for me personally, the scary thing would be a snake. <laughs> there's a cobra in the building. Now, listen, I would probably be crawling up on these tables in front of you guys. You know, I would be trying to do the jumping from <laughs> out the door. You know? Yeah, OK. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, if, is if you knew there was danger and it wasn't immediate to your eyes where it was, I think it would, she would give us all that sense of caution. But the listen, that is what life is. And the answer is to make sure you're clinging closely to the Lord. And yet so many of us, so much of the time, are walking through blithely, not even paying attention to what's going on, not concerned about right or wrong, or certainly not to the level that we should be. And so uh, I, I love what's said here. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Salah. So in that place, that hiding place, I love this thought of, I mean, what's being talked about in that verse is God singing. What does God's singing sound like? <laughs> well, the part of it is, is what he sings is talking about our deliverance. The fact that he loves us so tenderly and he has a way of escape. He has a way of, of delivering us. And, uh, and so then he says in verse 8, I will instruct thee, instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And so there's a contrast here. Verse verse eight says, I will guide thee with mine eye. And so if you're in close relationship with the Lord, if you're in your the Bible says, seek ye my face over and over and over. God says, seek my face. So if you're watching and this is there's a there's a, a spiritual sense here. You know, if you're watching for God, you're watching for his guidance, you're watching, you're praying, you're seeking his guidance. God can easily guide you. And yet, if you're like he says here, be don't be as the horse or the mule. And they're not paying attention. They're not listening. And they have to have a bit in their mouth. And listen, the, the horse can the horse can not want to go that way, but when there's a bit in their mouth and the rider yanks on the reins, his head's gonna turn. So listen, there's two <laughs> very contrasting ways in which the Christian can walk through life. And you can have God, you know. It's turned your world upside down to punish you, to, to correct you, to get your attention. Listen, I've had God do that in my life. I've had the, the, the whole world really feel like it had been turned upside down. And I knew that it was because of choices that I had made. That is not the way to go. <laughs> that is a very dangerous place to go. And it's, it's by the grace of God that God moves us past those moments. And I look back and it's actually something I'm thankful for God's correction. I look back and it's a it's a very distinct work of his in my life. And so he says, be ye not as the horse or, or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. 
verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. And that kind of joy that's talked about in verse 11, that's for those who have God's deliverance, protection, guidance through life. And that's not for the people that have to be dragged kicking and screaming down the road. <laughs> that's for the people who aren't listening. <laughs> that's for the child of God. Listen, you can't be a child of God and not have God correct you. If you're not having God's corrections, the, the description the Bible says is you're bastards and not sons. Because every son <laughs> is corrected by a good father and God is the best father. 751. Let's go ahead and stop. That's a really good picture. Yeah. If he can see all things, he can keep you from yeah. the Yeah. And, and again, that the easy way or the, the best way, the, the maybe the easy way for a child of God to go is to be able to quickly discern, oh, this is, you know, this is what God wants. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the reverse of that is a person who can't recognize, man, that's a bad idea. That's a bad choice for any child of God. I say, I'm not going to do that. That's a way bad idea. The clock says down. you got eight. Absolutely, just zoned out, staring at the page, just kind of like zoned out. And I, and I, I, I looked down and I actually read this. This goes back to the corrupt heart thing. It's amazing. Mm. Um, it says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth yeah. good fruit, but a corrupt tree. Bring bring corrupt tree. Fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring, bring forth good fruit. Amen. So that would actually kind of fit, in my mind anyway, yeah. my opinion, the, the, the filthy rag. Right, yeah. I, I, um, there, there's been a number of Christians that I've read about that had, they had not good endings. You know, their lives ended in a, in a less than desirable way. Yeah, Solomon is a good example of that. Yep, had the wisdom, had the wisdom of God, had the blessings of God all over his life, and like pastors going through the Ecclesiastes, you know. And uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to say what the source of his. I think I'll go down this path and and discover everything that this life can offer me. Going down this path, and you get to the end, and it's vanity and vexation of spirit, and you know. And yet, that's going to be true a hundred percent of the time for every Christian who seeks satisfaction anywhere from besides God's ways. Right. All right. Anything else? I, I, what I, what I call like when a lot of times trying to figure out whether, you know, if somebody's deceive, deceiving me or something, right. I call it a Solomon test. Mm -hmm. If you just look at what they say and what they don't say and forget about the fact that they're being nice mm -hmm. because right. devils are nice. Right. Okay? Devils you, are nice. Until you, until you cross them, they're nice. Okay? Yeah. They're dancing about the Pfizer vaccine and saying, get the vaccine. Get yeah. the vaccine. I mean, that's, you know. Well, well and, you know, I heard this example one time and I, I think about it a lot, this idea of what's in your tea bag. You know, someone can be nice to you up until the very, you know, the very instant where you jostle them <laughs> and uh, suddenly they explode in, in uh, anger and, and blaming you and, and saying you're against me. And, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of people like that. You know, they're right. super sweet, super, you know, friendly until that moment where you jostle them a little bit. <laughs> right. and take somebody who's like possessed with the devil. They may ex they may like exude like 
not being nice, right? right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But at some point in that person's life, while they, before they got to be possessed, the devil was coming to them as an angel of light. Sure, spinning many, them many yarn. Times, and, sure, and all of us. Really. Yeah, and, and there's there's so many easy examples, you know, drugs or whatever. Uh, that you know, there's there's some you know people don't start drugs to be. You know, someone laying in a ditch, they don't, they don't hope for that. But, you know, they, they, they're not tempted with that. They're tempted with thrills or, you know. Uh, and then once, once the addiction takes hold, you know, then you, then you feel like you have to. You don't have any choice. And, I mean, in a minor way, you know, I know what that is through, through cigarettes. Cigarettes had a powerful hold on me. And I, I was not able to just quit at the drop of a hat. <laughs> To that end, when I was coming out of work like in my 20s and, and I had a drinking problem and I could go to the right and go home or go to the left and go get something to drink and mm -hmm. I knew I was going to the left. Mm -hmm. I was going to go get that, that right. thing. Okay. I mean, like you say, almost like I didn't have any control. I mean, I, right. I would, the sin was just so great that I knew I was going to go do it even though I, I knew I should go the other yeah. way. Yeah, and, I, I, and again, I think that can happen with a Christian as well just when you feed the flesh so much that to deny it seems impossible, but it's not. It's not impossible with God. Right. Yeah. Okay, anything else? All right, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you for your word. And I do pray for your grace, Lord, for us to be like you, to be obedient to you. Thank you for this passage, Lord, uh, and for the psalmist saying he panted after your commandments. I pray you help us to to long for, to seek for, Lord, your work in our lives and help us to, to walk in obedience to you. We, we want to be like Enoch, Lord, and live a life that's pleasing to you. And we pray for your blessing on everyone here tonight and for our whole church. Lord, help us to be uh, your people. Help us to do your will. Help us to be your your people in this community, we pray. And, and also as we go to work, pray that you help us to be like you. And please bless everyone here tonight. Keep us all safe as we go home. Bring us back at the next time. We pray for these prayer requests, all that were mentioned. And uh, for those who need help and healing, pray for Joyce. And, uh, and, and this. Uh, we pray that it would be healed before she has to go in for surgery. And we pray that uh, for all the other needs that uh, were mentioned and those that were not mentioned, we pray for your grace for each one. And we thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.